Welcome to Think Like a Penguin, The Art of Flying. This is the podcast to help you think outside the box, live more confidently against the grain and become your more authentic self. Penguins don't traditionally fly, but what's to say they won't one day? Hello and welcome back to this episode. Today I'm going to talk all about grief and it is just me again. I promise there are some guests coming up so stay tuned for the next few um, weeks, the next few episodes. I will be talking with people about certain things that they are passionate or um, excelling at in life or have an interest in. in. Um, Today though I am going to be talking about grief and I'm surprised. I had a little look through my podcast episodes of which there are now 50 out there in the world on the Spotify um, in Google apps and and Apple apps and all that 50 episodes to listen to so I'm surprised I haven't spoken about grief because it is something that we all go through it is I think one of the most um, challenging and um, complex emotions that we experience as an adult as a child as a as a human and it is something that is really hard to reconcile or to get our head around or justify or have peace with. You know, something, something like anger or excitement or joy or another emotion can be very easily explained. And I think when we can explain something, we feel safe, we feel in control, we feel like it can slot in to our everyday and we can work with that emotion. It makes sense to us. Whereas grief, when we can't make sense of it, can make it even more challenging. So I'm sure that we have all heard of the five stages of grief. There are seven out there, but I think just keep it simple with five. I'm going to reiterate, remind you of the five stages and um, how we can tackle each stage. And also the fact that each of these stages doesn't necessarily happen in a succinct order. So why did I want to talk about grief today? I went down south to Margaret River and it jogged my memory. So I went down a couple of weeks ago for an open studios art event. And the last time I was down there, about two years before, um, I was actually doing an art residency at the Margaret River farm. And as part of the residency, I painted the five stages of grief. And I was going through some sort of pain and grief myself and as an artist I've always known the benefits of expressing my feelings through creative um, ways so paintings and and I know that art therapy is hugely powerful so I wanted to work through my own grief by literally abstractly painting the five stages of grief so they are denial anger bargaining depression and acceptance and like I mentioned they don't always happen in that order and they don't always happen so not all stages are um, aware to you but chances are you'll bounce between some of these um, the anger then back to bargaining then sadness depression back to denial back to anger until you finally get to a point of acceptance so Grief can obviously come about for many different reasons and I googled what's the average time that a person will be grieving for and so I want to talk about how long it can last 
um, why you might feel grief, how it might show up in your life, and then getting to a point of acceptance where you realize that you will probably always be grieving for something that has caused immense amount of sadness and grief in the first place. It will just become a part of you. You can't get over grief. I don't think the aim is to fully forget or not feel grief about a certain thing or an occasion or the loss of an object or a person or an animal. Um, it's about getting to a point of acceptance, awareness, as always, that is the running theme in all of my podcasts, and then to a point of living with grief. And if we can understand and accept grief and we can we can be aware of what stage of grief we're in and just let it be present in our lives rather than bottling it up and pushing it down or trying to distract ourselves, well, then we're going to be able to deal with it and work through it and it's not going to have a lasting negative impact on our lives, our physiologic, physiological state, our emotional state. So I will also get to how we try and distract ourselves from grief and how that can have a negative impact on us as well. So denial, quite often um, in the very, very acute stages, um, we just don't accept. We just cannot fathom, we cannot appreciate that whatever has caused us grief has actually happened in the first place. So I can think to my best friend at the time, Louise, she was my friend at art uh, school. We're doing a diploma together. Occasionally we would just jump um, bunk out of, of class. She had three children and we'd just get the kids out of school and we go to the beach or we just take the afternoon off. We hung out constantly. I had Christmas with her. We, she was my absolute best friend. And she died very suddenly of heart failure in the back garden, only minutes after I'd been on the phone to her. And I refused to believe that it was her. It was like I, I just could not accept the reality that she wasn't alive. And it was only at the funeral and um, seeing, you know, other friends there, but seeing her family and seeing seeing a photo of her and it, then it, the penny dropped. And then the other stages of um, grief hit. But it was the weirdest, I, could, I just couldn't believe it. Even I went to the funeral with a smile on my face and just sort of feeling quite neutral because to me, my friend was still alive. It, it was completely inexplicable. And I'm sure that some of you have experienced that where you just cannot get your head around it. It just doesn't feel real. And that is a protective mechanism so that you don't, become completely overwhelmed and damaged by grief when it first happens. So there's there's a there's a reason for that. It's a way for you to mentally be able to cope with what's to come. You kind of go on an autopilot. I, I noticed this with a family member when I was at my uncle's funeral. And even as a kid, I was quite young, I remember thinking, gosh, my aunt is really just put together and really sort of non-emotional and non and sort of robotic and it was now I have the understanding that she was probably in the denial um kind of autopilot just no emotion numb numb state which is um very common in that denial state is that you you're almost void of emotion and that enables you to carry on and just function and get things done that need to be done so 
The next stage is anger. And I'm sure if anyone's ever been through a breakup, you've probably experienced anger from your ex. And I now expect this in, um, not that I make a habit of going through lots of breakups, but I expect this phase to come. And usually if it comes, then I am prepared to not take that anger personally and know that that is just a part of the grieving process. And that actually the person who is um, being angry or expressing anger will probably feel quite guilty and embarrassed and um, confused by that anger eventually. And that that's not really them. It's usually just the grief coming out. So I I thankfully have not experienced this, but you hear stories of like an an ex, I don't know, keying the car or burning clothes or doing something stupid, going around and smashing up someone's prized possession of video games or whatever it is. Um, That person only six months before in a loving relationship would have been very level-headed and extremely considerate and kind and um, thoughtful and rational. But Grief has the power to make us do some really ridiculous, stupid, anger-driven things. So if you are in a state of grief, and hopefully after this podcast, you don't experience um, this phase, but it's good to have the awareness because if you are really struggling with accepting and you're in a denial phase and then you, you just start to feel really angry, well, then you can know that you need to put some measures in place so that you don't act on that anger or do something that's not going to hurt or harm or even break the law um, because you will regret it and that phase will pass. The beautiful thing about all of this, um, all these phases of grief is that they absolutely will pass but like we all know, it will just take time. So I can't then think of an example off the top of my head whereby you might need to put a measure in place but if you need to go and smash some plates you have these anger booths where you can go and like pay to just pick stuff up and smash it or if you need to go throw some axes or if you need to do a really hardcore gym workout or try and channel that anger in a way that is not going to get you in trouble or cause pain to anyone else or worse still break a law or you know do significant lasting damage. I mean, you hear extreme cases where people get so white fever rage that they end up um, causing violence and and harm to others, even taking lives, which obviously that's someone that's not managing to deal with their emotional state um, and have some unlearned and um, immature emotional resilience. But I am guilty as well of having a little outburst of anger when I've been um, grieving. And now, hopefully, I'd like to say that I would channel that anger in a better way. And that's important to acknowledge as well that just because you rationally can say, well, there's no need to be angry. There's no point. It's not going to serve me. Grief is a feeling. Grief is an emotion. It is void of logic and rationale. So you can't talk yourself out of experiencing these feelings. It's not about logic. So even if there is no logic whatsoever to feel anger because your pet has just died, it doesn't mean you're not going to feel anger. So you have to accept that part of grief is having these feelings that might not make sense at the time, First of all, be kind on yourself 
actually before that, acknowledge that they probably will happen, accept that these feelings will come up, then be kind on yourself, don't try and bottle them up, but just channel them, even if they don't make sense. Let them happen, let the feelings come about and channel them into a way that is going to be healthy in the long run and um, at the present moment. Then you have the bargaining phase. And like I mentioned, these don't all happen in this succinct order, but more often than not, the, this is the sort of phases. They can You can go ping from lots of different um, phases, but bargaining will show up at some stage. Whether that is um, trying to, I'm thinking if it's with an ex, okay, trying to just have them as a friend. Or if you're grieving the loss of a lifestyle. So maybe you actually loved smoking or you loved the social side of drinking and you've decided to give it up and you're grieving that. That might be a genuine thing, even though it's not healthy for you. You might be grieving a behavior that you really enjoyed. You might be uh, have given up chocolate for Lent and it's, it's you're really grieving it. You, you know, that was something that you love to do. Well, maybe the bargaining part of that is, oh, I'll just, I'll just buy something covered in chocolate, but it's not actually a chocolate bar. Or I'll just go and stand outside with the smokers, but I won't actually have a cigarette. Or I'll just um, sw- do wine tasting, swill it around my mouth, but I won't actually take some. So it's trying to basically gain control. So when we lose something, which is one of the main reasons for grief um, is because we've lost something, or the state of life as we knew it is no longer the same. Bargaining is trying to gain control, is trying to feel like we can somehow manipulate the situation so that we can take it back to the state before we had to start grieving to therefore limit the grief. So if we can return things to quote unquote normal before the grief part happened, well, then we're trying to stop ourselves from feeling that grief in the first place. Because, as I've already mentioned, grief is one of the most painful, agonizing, excruciating, inexplicable, cruel feelings you'll ever feel. So the body, the mind, the spirit, the emotions, you will, as a human being, do whatever you can to try and limit the amount of grief you feel. Bargaining is definitely one of those phases. You will you will try any which way to create a situation whereby the grief you feel is limited based on the thing that you're grieving not having as much impact in your life. So trying to replicate what you had before the grief happened. Now, depression will certainly show up. It doesn't necessarily be full-grown chronic depression, although grief can lead to that unfortunately some people can never get over grief and they can get stuck in the depressive stage um depression that stage might just be agonizing sadness so just constantly um consumed by this cloud that you're just crying at the drop of a hat um, you just feel miserable nothing can bring a smile to your face you've forgotten what it feels like to feel neutral let alone happy just sort of like in this void of absolute agonizing heaviness. I certainly remember this when I had my most painful breakup of my life, of which um, unfortunately it was a pretty, very messy and I take full responsibility of it. But I could not shake this depressive, sad mood. I thought I was coping fine until my 
um, colleague and my boss took me into the office and said, Liv, you have got to shake this sadness because you are really not in a good space and it is oozing out of you to the point where we're worried you're having a negative effect on the client. So I was doing remedial massage at the time at a physio clinic and that really shocked me because this was months after I'd gone through the breakup. I thought that I was faking it and that I was, you know, putting a smile on my face, being professional and friendly, but I was genuinely depressed. I was in a really, really low state. And I then had to kind of actively do things in my life to try and help me to not feel depressed. So for me, that was putting things um, out in the future that I could look forward to. It was making sure that I surrounded myself with friends. It was doing some more sport. It was getting out in nature. All the things that I know bring a smile to my face usually, I had to force it. Because we all know when you're feeling down, sad, depressed, then you retreat into yourself, you have less energy, you have less incentive, um, and less drive. But the chicken and the egg, the irony is you have to push yourself to get out there in order to get more energy, in order to then want to get out there again. Whatever out there means for you, you have to force yourself out of that depressive state fake it till you make it. Now, obviously, I'm going to talk about how we can help with grief. Um, And you might say, well, you can't just not be depressed. Um, And I completely understand that. But you can get therapy, you can go on medication if you need to, you can do courses, you can learn a new skill, you can surround yourself with community. There are ways that you can help yourself, not saying you're going to completely eradicate depression from your life because of a awful grief period but there are things that you can do to help yourself and as always it's awareness first so that was a really big wake-up call when my boss told me that I needed to shake she was lovely she didn't kind of go snap out of it live she just said look we really need you to try and um get in a better headspace and find your spark again because it's having a negative impact on clients and really important for my job as well, at the time I was physically touching people, I was massaging people. So my energy that I would have been passing on to them would have been horrific. So completely inappropriate and unprofessional of me knowingly being depressed, then passing that depression. And this is whether you believe it or not, the energy of the massage therapist will be carried through the hands and into the person who is being massaged. So yeah, that was a that was a wake up call for me to realize I needed to help myself to get over that phase. And then you get to hopefully a point of acceptance. And you don't just arrive there like a destination at the end of a journey and think, "Cool, yay, I'm here. Hooray, I'm going to be here forever." There are times when I have felt completely accepted and I'm at a place of ease where I then out of the blue go back into denial or out of the blue go back into bargaining or out of I think oh my god I'm so sad I totally thought I was over this so you spend longer and longer at a point of acceptance when you get there but we're only human and grief will show up so many times and in the weirdest of moments and it can show up like 10 years after you've you've grieved something or it can show up 
at a time when you're least expecting it. And so, yes, you might go back to a different phase, but then hopefully you'll return to the acceptance uh, stage. So I um, spoke about my friend Louise. There are times when I'll see an artwork or I'll hear a song or even at the beach, because we used to go to the beach and skive off school. And I will suddenly be hit by like a wave of sadness. And I am back there again and I'm grieving her but I know that that will, that will pass. And that's important to, to know as well. And you have to, even if you don't really believe it, you have to have the faith and trust that each phase can pass. You must, you must be active in the phase. You must allow the phase of grief that you're in to happen, but it will pass. We've all experienced absolutely gut-wrenching grief where you think it's all-consuming and you're never going to get through the cloud, you're never going to get through it, but the fact that you're listening to this podcast and you're not in those deep stages of grief means you have gotten through it. Yes, of course, it's probably still there and you're probably still experiencing it in a certain phase, but it will definitely get better with time. And of course, the million-dollar question is how do I not feel this? And you, you can't, you cannot not feel it. There are many ways that people try not to feel it. And I've already mentioned, we try not to feel it because it is just so unpleasant and it stops you from functioning. And sometimes it can take away your ability to even get through your day. But if you do not feel it, then it will come back and bite you in the ass. That's not a very scientific way of saying it. It will eat you up on the inside. I've already touched on energy. I believe, and quantum physics would suggest, that energy is, um, if if unused or if if it's stored within you, it will um, either lead to an illness physically, it will lead to mental illness, it will come back as chronic fatigue, it will come back many years later and hit you, just like trauma unresolved trauma also can have a long-lasting effect and if you push 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 it down and don't let yourself feel it chances are it's going to rear its ugly head later down the track when life is great and you're swimming along and then suddenly bam you're hit with something chronic fatigue or you have a meltdown or you have cancer grief unresolved and unfelt is going to come back later and um, cause more issues So how do we push it down? And this might be quite confronting because some of you might recognize yourself in this um, part, but distraction, addiction, busyness, overworking, um, making yourself um, have connections with other people, usually distraction and busyness. So if we take, for example, an end of a relationship, or the death of a partner, chances are you're going to rebound and jump into something very soon afterwards because it's a way to distract you from having to deal with the feelings of loneliness, of feeling lost, of feeling worthless, of feeling like you don't matter, no one wants you, that it's unfair that your partner's left you. All those feelings of self-loathing get with someone else. It validates your self-esteem. If you um, are not dealing with the loss of someone because they've passed away. 
chances are you're going to busy yourself so you don't have to think about it because thought leads to emotion, leads to feeling, leads to behavior. So if we can stop ourselves from thinking that we might be grieving or thinking that we're sad or thinking about the thing that is causing us to grieve, thinking about the loss of the person, if we can stop that thought process because we are so busy with working or we're so busy with training or whatever the addiction is that you're starting to um, introduce more and more into your life, well, then it stops you from feeling fantastic, but it doesn't resolve it. And that grief is still going to be there. And unfortunately, let's take the example of you've lost somebody, you now overwork. Now you um, will constantly have to overwork. Otherwise, that grief, which is just below the surface, will rear its ugly head as soon as you stop working. So you set yourself up to fail. So yes, it's agonizing. I will keep saying that. It's the worst feeling in the world. But if you don't deal with it now, you'll have to deal with it later. Unfortunately, it just doesn't go away. So it's a choice. Either you feel you deal with it now and it will have devastating effects for a short period of time, or you bury it, bury it, bury it, bury it, and then it will come up eventually anyway. Like a seed. It's a seed. It's it's a it's a capsule of potential of energy. I love the expression, um, emotion is a feeling in motion. Emotion is a feeling in motion. So if you don't let that feeling come out, if you don't act it out, if the behavior can't be expressed, it will just be bottled up like a little seed and you put it down into the ground. Eventually, the shoots will come out of the ground and then eventually something will grow from that. I'm imagining that seed is a toxic weed or something okay so it's not like a flower that you want to grow you don't want to bury it down you don't want to push it down you need to let it all be experienced as it comes up so maybe a chance to just pause and ask yourself have I really given myself the space and time to grieve whatever it is I needed to grieve So the average amount of time to grieve is six months. And the the longest time or a time where it starts to not be a daily um, feeling or an overwhelming struggle can be up to two years. Obviously, that can be much longer, it can be less. But have you given yourself six months of being kind to yourself, nurturing yourself, giving yourself space, giving yourself time, to really feel the feels. If we say six months, maybe that's every evening you put on a song that makes you cry or you have a bath and you have a little cry or you do a meditation once a day or you go to the spot that is special to you and you have a real contemplative 10-15 minutes. It doesn't mean that for six months straight you're just a bawling mess and crying, but for six months you need to let whatever that thing that you are grieving be forefront of your mind and work through the emotions that come up associated with the grief six months not six days not seven days not not two weeks it's the mind boggles to me I know that this is just society and ecology um economy sorry but I think you get four days bereavement leave from work on average I mean, that is absolutely shocking. You're still in the denial phase. 
you're still in shock. You're literally not even, you haven't even entered the kind of crying, blubbering mess stage. Often they say that the second year post a, a real grieving moment is worse. So two years after the source of grief happens, that's usually when it's worse. And I'm sorry if you're into your six months and you think, oh shit, she's kidding me. I've still got another year and a half to go. But um, all I'm trying to say is that we need to give ourselves permission to grieve. And that brings me to why we grieve and what we grieve over. And I cannot stress this enough. You cannot judge people for what they are grieving. Partly, we have very different experiences. So someone who has gone through a lot of emotional trauma and has grieved a lot in their life may be more resilient to something that for another person might make them be in bed for a month. So you have no idea what importance things are for people and therefore how much they may grieve the ending of something or the trauma that might occur. Nothing is too big or small and I've already said it, but grief doesn't make logical sense. So you cannot judge someone. I'm sure we've all heard it where people are like, oh my God, they just need to get over it. I mean, I don't get it. Like, why are they so upset? It's not even a big deal. Like, it's not up to you to decide what is the source of grieving for someone else. For instance, I will share that about eight years ago, we didn't make it into the final, the grand final of our lacrosse um, championships. Now, I cried on the um, uh, of the pitch, so just like minutes after the final whistle. I also grieved for probably a few days after that, and then it created a whole spiral of um, depressive episode for me. Now, you might think, what? Over a lacrosse match? That's a little bit pathetic. It wasn't about the lacrosse match. It was about what that lacrosse match represented and the value I placed on that. Little did anybody else know, I was extremely lonely, I was extremely depressed. The only source of joy in my life at that time was playing team sport. And by not making the grand final, that was two extra games that we wouldn't be able to play. That was two extra weeks where I wouldn't get to see my friends, I wouldn't get to have that highlight in my week to keep me going so that I'd look forward to it on the weekend. It meant it reinforced how lonely I was. It made me think and contemplate about how I had no friends outside of sport, that I was useless, that I was all alone in Australia. I'd only just moved here. It brought up so much for me. It made me grieve my childhood where I was unwell, so I missed out on all that social interaction, so I had no friends. It was so symbolic. And yet it was just a sports match. It was an hour-long lacrosse match. So you might think, well, that's utterly ridiculous. But you can see in the context of what it represented for me, it was huge. So the value you place on something that might cause you grief is going to be equal to the amount of grief that you experience. Please do not judge anyone. If someone has lost an earring, you know, you might think, oh, so what? Just get another one. You have no idea what that earring might represent to someone. If somebody has broken a nail, you don't know. That, 
hands, they might have burnt them as a child and then they've always had real insecurity about the skin on their fingers and then they finally got their nails done and then one of them chipped and then that brought up all this trauma about having disfigured hands. You just don't know. So you cannot judge people for um, how they're grieving or how much they're grieving. The same is true for yourself and we are the worst people to ourselves. If you are still grieving something that happened months ago maybe a plant died in your garden or maybe you couldn't go on a weekend trip because I don't know you got poorly or unwell or something Something that seemingly is quite trivial and you're still grieving it that's okay that's fine you might not understand why you're grieving it but you are grieving it and so your body is experiencing it so there's no point denying that you're grieving and there's certainly no point in getting angry or uh, frustrated or guilty at yourself for grieving because you're a human being with feelings and well done you for letting those feelings come to the surface. I can't say enough the importance of letting the grief process happen. So we've touched on the different phases, we've touched on how we might want to try and distract ourselves, but how detrimental that can be and then also why we grieve and how we can't judge ourselves for what we are grieving or how much we are grieving. So I'm just going to make this quite a short episode um, and I hope that that has been helpful and I hope that you find a way to accept that grief is a completely normal process and it's quite interesting, I will leave you on this, is that tribes, cultures, people, groups, we all grieve differently. And I don't think in the Western society that we are comfortable enough with expressing grief and emotion. Often you can see videos of of different groups, different cultures, different tribes, and they will be wailing or they will be dancing or they'll be having a celebration. I know for my family, I don't know if this is common, but we had open caskets. So as part of the grief saying goodbye process, I actually touched both my grandparents and my uncle and a friend where the they would just lay there in the front room and we were um, sort of invited to engage with that and I didn't know if that was a normal thing but that's that's how we did it. Some people will wear black for for months or for a whole year or so there's no right or wrong way. I think we just need to do it more and we need to embrace it. And actually, I was going to wrap it up, but I really want to say about how we can support someone else who is grieving. So trivialising or belittling or trying to downplay someone's grief is probably the most unhelpful thing that you can do because that person is already feeling like they are... um, you know, feeling silly, ashamed, it's a bit awkward, especially in our culture, that they they kind of wish they weren't feeling it. So then to go, oh, you know, it's all right, it'll get it'll get better, or cheer up, it's not that bad, or oh come on, mate, like we can just we can just get another one, or you can just let's distract ourselves, let's do the classic pretend it's not happened and you know, <laughs> go out, whatever. Like I know we all have the best intentions and we want to try and help someone not feel the grief, but actually validating it 
just holding space for someone and accepting, helping them accept that it's completely normal and it's completely healthy is the best thing you can do. So just acknowledge it, just hear it and validate their grief. Say, yep, I hear you, yep. And if it's been months and you're worried about the fact they're stuck in a phase, well then maybe you can you can say, how can I best help you to move on from this? Or how, how can I best help you so you don't feel so overwhelmed by it? Ask the person, they will usually know but telling someone, oh, come on, mate, like, just get under someone else, then you'll get over her, like, not helpful. And I'm sure that you're not that untactful. But um, yeah, you, it's very challenging, especially when it's the grief of um, someone that's passed away. Um, and what I will say in that, with a funeral, with uh, the death of a person, a loved one, the person who is sorting out the funeral, the service and and doing all the logistics and the estate and all the kind of paperwork and all that, they are absolutely in the numb shock um, autopilot phase for about a month. It's when the quiet happens after the service, everyone's moved on with their lives, they've gone back to the norm um, and they've forgotten about the sudden shock of their friend or, you know, colleague or whatever, the person dear to them dying. Everyone goes back to their normal lives. I would say month three to six is the worst because that is when the person closest to the person who's died feels most alone. So I always try and remember to check in with someone. If I know they lost someone three months ago, I will just check in, give them a text, give them a call. I suggest you try and do that. If you know that someone close to you had a challenging funeral that you you think, oh my gosh, it's actually been six months. They're probably needing you now more than ever, especially with that grief hitting you hardest in the second year phase. Um, And I will just touch on guilt. So in society, I'm not quite sure about why we do this, and I'm going to look at it up for my own benefit, but it's easiest to blame either ourselves or someone else, because then we can make sense of it. And I think it's so that we feel safe. So if we can make sense of something in relation to us and how it um, fits into our life, then we feel more safe in general in our life. So often guilt is associated with grief. Either we feel guilty ourselves for um, something that has happened, therefore that thing caused us grief. So we might not have even have any responsibility for the grief um, event happening. So let's say... Um, let's say uh, my kid, my kid's best friend at school, um, so a little kid at school, um, got run over and broke their leg. And that meant they couldn't go to Disneyland because they need an operation on their leg. And to say that I wasn't involved at all in the accident, but that I convinced myself that I had let a driver out before me so I, that driver then was the one that hit the kid. Therefore, somehow I was guilty of, if I hadn't let that driver out, then that driver wouldn't have hit the kid and the kid would have been fine. And you can see how there's absolutely no blame there. A complete accident, complete chance, not to do with me. But the mind will kind of construe it and construct it in a way that I then feel guilty for something that was completely nothing to do with me and chance so that I can try and make sense of it. 
so that I can then rationalize why it happened. You cannot make sense of guilt a lot of the time. When you lose someone, when some freak accident happens, when nature, you know, there's natural disaster, people will often turn to religion because even still they can put, um, not blame, but they can say, oh, it was meant to be. It's very rare and it would be quite interesting. I think it is interesting. But if you think of an example of when you've experienced grief and you haven't had to put rationale to it, you haven't had to blame something, someone, some circumstance. Often people go, oh, it's God's will or, oh, it was meant to be or it happened because of this. The most challenging part of dealing with grief is the acceptance that it does not make sense. So often it's just letting letting it be. Saying, I am grieving, full stop. I don't know why this thing happened and I, I will never know why. And it's just one of those things in life. It doesn't, it's cruel, it doesn't make sense, it's unfair, all these things. But trying to find a reason why the event happened and then that can somehow soften the blow of the grief is just a um, futile, completely um, detrimental task. Some things just happen and you'll never understand it. And if you can accept that you'll never understand it, it might make it easier to live with. And this is something I'm trying to do myself. Like I've grieved and I probably still am the loss of a potential sports career that sounds very um, left of centre, a bit random, but I was really unwell. I was most poorly um, in in hospital at the stage where I was invited to trial for England, at the stage where I was the age where I'd probably get picked up um, for my sporting ability for various sports. And I, my whole life, have grieved the fact that I've never been able to experience being a professional athlete can I understand that? Can I rationalize it? You know, was it my fault that I got anorexic at the time where I probably was at the peak of my athletic ability? I don't know. But I've realized in order to help to let myself go from the shame and the guilt and to let myself off the hook, the only way I can let go of the grief is to let go of the blame. So I absolutely will end on that. And that's probably what I probably should have started on because that's quite profound. But the only way you can let go of the grief is to let go. Or rather I'll say you can't let go of the grief until you've let go of the guilt. So please let go of the guilt. Stop trying to blame yourself or blame others. And that will help the, the grief feel that little less intense. And I will, I keep saying I'm going to end, I'm going to say one, one last thing. I would invite times, little nuggets of um, a loud grief period into your life because it's always going to be there. You learn to live with it, but um, you can dedicate and be in control of when you let it come up. So for instance, if you have a graveyard or if you have a space or if you have a song, or if you have a time where you just want to go, you know what, I'm just going to lay down on my Shakti mat, light an incense, light a candle, put some music on, and I'm going to let myself just have a good old cry. I do that. I let myself grieve. And then once I've grieved, okay, that has happened. That's great. And then I move on. 
and then you feel like you're actually a little bit more in control of the process and you won't be able to do that until you've got to an acceptance stage but I do think it's important to just give yourself that time. Grief will always be there so just let it come up and then it won't um, overpower your life, it will just be a part of your life. Alrighty, I will stop there. I hope that has been helpful. Um, I hope that it hasn't brought up too much discomfort for you. If it has, please reach out to your support networks. Please um, see a counsellor, therapist if you need to. There's loads of information on grief. There's loads of podcasts about it, books about it. Um, and hopefully you get the support you need. And just keep doing things that make you happy and that try and positively um, diffuse the grief that you might be feeling. <laughs>